Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to You Have a Body Podcast, episode 58, Chronic Pain. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Hannah Wedevin, owner of Solcana Fitness and Wellness. And I'm Lucia Hawley, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. What's up, listener audience? <laughs> welcome, welcome. Feels like we haven't talked to you in ages. I know. The weeks are so packed in August. I know. It kind of stinks. Thinking back to last week, we were here with Amalia. That feels like at least two weeks ago. Yeah, it really does. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like both the days go too fast. (laughs) And also, like, I can't keep track of time at all. Yeah. So that's where we're at. You get a uh, vacay, solo vacation this weekend, right? Yeah, I'm so excited. On Saturday, I have a weightlifting meet. And then after the meet is over at 3.30, I'm just like taking my car. I'm packing up on Friday taking my car and I'm going out to Pine Island 100 acres or like 150 acres of woods just me good you and some books me and like a stack of books and Petey I'm bringing Petey okay I was gonna ask if he's coming he is coming he's actually getting a haircut right now oh he gotta look good for the cabin yeah because (laughs) I want him to be I want to be able to check him for ticks yep really easily Yep. That's that's those are my anxieties. So welcome to my head, everyone. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I think about. It's yeah. like, oh no, what if Petey gets a tick? That's a good thing to be thinking about. Yeah. So we're gonna go out there for three days, and we're just gonna relax. I'm not gonna labor on Labor Day. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna read and hike and sleep, and there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, you're gonna be literally without connection. Yeah, I just can't, can't wait till no one can call me. Perfect. Yeah, as it should be. Unfortunately, we're running a Facebook ad for the gym right now, uh-huh. so uh, we get a bunch of leads, like, every five minutes, yeah. which is cool, but also it requires a lot of phone time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's probably not going to stop while I'm gone. Well, but Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and luckily I have some, like, great people on the staff who yeah. can help me with that. I don't yeah. have to feel too guilty, but... No. Yeah, uh, yeah. This week, I just got back from Nashville. Yeah, you had a bachelorette party weekend extravaganza. You organized it. I did. I didn't drink. Yeah? Well, I was there. Nope. How was that? Great. It turns out that is the best choice for me, Mm -hmm. I think, to not drink. It doesn't matter. Like, there's so many things you can do that are really fun. I mean, people who are sober know this. (laughs) Like, I'm just preaching to the choir. But I think it took some – it's taken some practice for me. Yeah. To be able to just be totally fine with it. Yeah. Like, to not even make it a thing. Mm-hmm. I just order water, whatever. Yeah. Whatever I want. And no one even questioned it. I drove the whole time. I still had a great time. Like, I partied my brains out till like, 2.30 in the morning, dancing to a funk band. Isn't and that like, the awesome part? Yeah, I totally didn't need to drink to do it. Yep. And then when I got home, I actually slept. Of course, I couldn't sleep in past 7. I was still exhausted like everybody else. <laughs> but when I woke up, I wasn't hungover. Yeah. So I was able to take a nap in the afternoon, and I didn't feel like garbage when I was walking around during the day. There you I go. I just felt tired. Right. So that was good. But I will say it's, like, really almost impossible to eat well in the South. I'm sure. Like, I try, I'm tried. Yeah. I, the very first night we were there, I ordered, I ordered a chicken salad, and the chicken was fried, which I didn't know. Uh-huh. Because it... 
it, well, now I know. Now I know what hot chicken is, but it's a, it just said hot chicken salad. <laughs> I was like, hot chicken? In the Midwest, great. that sounds nice and yeah. warm. Mm. And it came <laughs> with, um, like, a mayo-based dressing. Totally. Which was fine. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not opposed to eating mayo, that's for sure. But there was a lot of barbecue, which was good. Barbecue sauce has sugar in it for sure, but... That makes I, it so tasty. You know, I ate a lot of delicious meats. Yeah. But, like, what I noticed is that because everything I had in it had sugar in it, and I actually had a piece of pie while mm-hmm. I was down there. Mm-hmm. Um, chest pie. Have you ever had chest pie? I haven't had it, but I sure know about it. Oh, I had never had it. I'd never <laughs> even heard of it. Listen, Food it, dork over here. I know. If you had never had chest pie, it's... The, I'm pretty sure the only ingredients are, are butter, sugar, and, like, wheat. Pretty much. That's it. Yeah. And yolk. Egg yolk. And it's delicious. Yeah, it's super From good. what I see in here. Yeah. So I tried it. But the and the biggest thing is that I just noticed like coming back. Well, first of all, my stomach was killing me on Monday, mm-hmm. and it was like, pain, like it felt like I was being punched in the stomach. Yeah, and it's just been really hard to not have sugar cravings. I went for so long without having any sugar, and now I'm just like, give me sugar. It's really interesting, right? And I think it's really cool to be on that side of those sugar cravings to recognize like it's you know it's not this like personality thing of like oh my god why can't I? Yeah, it's when it's coming in. Physically, our bodies are like, hey, that's great. Yeah. Hey, give me some more. Cook, 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 cook. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to navigate that now. Yeah. And trying to, like, make myself stuff that I can eat that is, like, quote, unquote, a dessert mm-hmm. that kind of satisfies that. But we'll see. My mom wants to go to the fair on Friday. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> but I have a weightlifting meet Saturday, so I'm like, I can't get turned up because yeah. my stomach will hurt so bad. Totally. Yeah. Um, this interesting you're talking about your stomach because I am now three weeks out. Yeah, three weeks out from food poisoning. And the food poisoning was not that bad. It was oh. like, you know, kind of like a day-ish, day and a half of like really upset like gut issues. Yeah. And then afterwards was pretty much fine. But it's been such a mind game for my appetite. Oh. And just this past week, I finally got my like my, my like Lucia appetite back. And it was weird navigating that for a couple of weeks. Mm. Like, I didn't eat protein, animal protein. Oh, and I'm, no. I'm not a big animal, like, oh, my God, I have to have it at every meal. But, like, it feels good for me. It feels yeah. sustaining. It's how I get some good energy. So I was just eating whatever would pique my appetite during that time. And there was weird stuff. <laughs> like so, pickles? Well, y- well, yeah, I, I did get some Bubby's pickles. Because Yum. I was like, let me get some probiotics. I'll eat these. But the main thing that I really wanted like, the, I finally went grocery shopping a few days afterwards, and I was like, I'll just buy whatever I want to eat because I just, like, need calories, period, because yeah. I was skipping full meals, which mm. is so weird for me. Egg salad. Oh, my God, what? Store-bought egg salad, like, co-op egg salad, which mm. is fine, but I was like... It's pretty good. It's pretty good, but I had just seen a friend who had had her experience with food poisoning. She got food poisoning from... From egg salad. Egg salad. I feel like the definition of food poisoning is egg salad. <laughs> I know, but my body wanted it. So I still don't weird. like that. I was just like, I don't even know my gut bacteria anymore. We don't... We're, we have to reacquaint ourselves. But been um, eating some chicken this week, and it's okay. been like tasting good and feeling pretty good. So I feel like I'm back in action. Okay. Yeah. Good. I know you got it from some raw, ca- from raunchy cabbage, right? Yeah. So no sauerkraut, no raunchy raw cabbage slaw for a while. Dang. Love Don't. me some cabbage slaw. But hey. yeah, not if it makes you throw up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. Um, also interesting that we're talking about chronic pain today because last Friday, I'm just going to give you my check-in from the week. Last Friday, um, my back spasmed. And oh, I haven't cool. had a back spasm in about, in over two years. Mm. Um, and it was not bad. It didn't lay me out. I was like, there was a half a day where I was like, this is bad. Um, so it's really interesting to have that experience of a back spasm and have it be one where it wasn't like so black and white and having mm. to like cancel all my plans. So anyway, that was an old chronic pain thing that came up for me, which has been interesting. Heck yeah. Well, chronic pain it is. Let's talk about it. Let's, Let's talk dive about in. It. Um, let me offer a definition of chronic pain. Let's do it. Uh, chronic pain syndrome, otherwise known as CPS, is a common problem that presents a major challenge to healthcare providers because of its complex natural history, unclear etiology, and poor response to therapy. CPS is a poorly defined condition. It, in general, can be any pain that lasts more than 12 weeks. Great. Not very helpful no. and healthcare provider centric. Yeah. Unfortunate definition. A very unfortunate But that's really the, that's the first one that comes up in Google when you do a Google search. Basically, the definition is like, we don't know what's wrong with you, and it keeps being wrong with you, and everything we try doesn't work, so you're broken. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to a certain extent, sure, there's it is really frustrating because chronic pain, um, we have two interviews during this podcast, and you'll hear from even just two people how different it can be and what, you know, what is painful in their bodies, um, so it can be really different. Practitioners don't have a lot of practice with chronic pain. I think especially Western medicine is really good at acute stuff. Yeah. You break your leg, you break your arm, you have a big, like, open wound, we can fix that. We are good at emergencies. <laughs> yeah. Like, really good. Like, really good. Not so great at, like, natural disaster emergencies, as we're seeing now no. with Hurricane Harvey no. happening right now. Really horrible. Really bad with that. Yeah. But pretty good with acute, like, human body injuries. Mm-hmm. Right. If the resources are there, they can usually help to some degree with acute stuff. But preventative health care and then chronic care. Yeah. Lacking. Yeah. And lack of research as well. So anything that we're talking about in today's podcast is just to, like, touch on the subject because it isn't spoken about very much. That's right. Because a lot of people who suffer from chronic pain, and I am someone who suffers from it, don't talk about it very much because they don't want to have a victim mentality or it's like... You don't see it, and you people don't believe you, or people right. say, get over it and do something about it. Because they're like, well, I've had pain. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. But imagine every day you wake up with pain, or every day you anticipate having pain, or every time you do a certain thing, it gives you pain, and that's something that you have to do frequently. Right. Like, you don't have a choice about it. So I'd like to hear, before we listen to our two interviews, um, what what you see in the gym or, like, as a coach with people who are moving their bodies all the time. Well, I feel like I've been really lucky to have lots of clients who have chronic pain. And I say that because – I say lucky because I feel like that means that those folks find that they are more – that they have better trust in me than, than another coach because it takes a lot of trust to hand over – your body to somebody else as a coach in general, much less if you're dealing with chronic pain because the coach can't see it. Your movement might look great to them. They can't see why there could be potentially any sort of pain there. They can't even really relate to it most of the time. Um, So I feel very honored that people come to the gym who do have chronic pain. That being said, I feel like I've seen a wide range of types of chronic pain, ranging from like... um, chronic pain in the gut, chronic pain with response to gut inflammation or ulcerative colitis or even Crohn's, um, 
all the way to things that are like consistent joint pain. So like rheumatoid arthritis or even just regular arthritis, arthritic pain, um, trying to think of all the other stuff that doesn't have names. Yeah. Stuff that doesn't have names, uh, that it's just like, well, this is my thing. This happens to my body. No one quite knows why. Um, and stuff that causes consistent and repeatable pain that doesn't come from a movement-based exercise. Like, right. it doesn't come from exercise at all. It just comes from living in that person's body, right? Mm-hmm. So that can be a really tricky thing to navigate. And I, I feel like when most people come in with chronic pain, like, they've already got a pretty good idea and understanding of what causes the pain for them, like, what makes it worse. I find that people who deal with chronic pain are already pretty good at coming up with a management system around their food and sleep. Like, they know that stress makes it worse. They know food can make it worse. They know that, um, you know, not sleeping enough can make it worse. And they come in with all that information. Like, they're so well-informed. Yeah. Versus the average client who's like, yeah, I sleep six hours a night, but that seems like it's enough for me. And, (laughs) you know, I work a normal job, you know, 60 hours a week and... I work myself to the bone. I'm planning coming here at 5.30 in the morning and then again at 5.30 at night. Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> when do you have time to breathe? Yeah. But people, a lot of people with chronic pain who've been dealing with chronic pain have a sense for how to self-manage. Yep. If, if for no other reason than for protection. Yeah. Because they're not trying to ever initiate that pain. Right. So what I see, what, what I think is really important is that when you first start like doing fitness again, when you have chronic pain... There's some tricky points. Like, you're going to be really sore when you start start a new fitness routine, no matter what it is. And that can be overwhelming, I think, for people who are dealing with chronic pain because suddenly this feels like another layer of pain. And it's often hard to tell the difference between chronic pain and, like, acute pain when you're normally having this state of chronic pain. And also that you're, I'll just chime in here, that you're opting to feel your body again. Yeah. And with a lot of chronic pain, there's a sense of powering through and having, you know, feeling it more later when there's a, a more appropriate, if you will, or air quotes there, more appropriate time to be feeling it. Yeah. And so that, like, inviting feeling sensations in your body again is its own thing as yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary and intimidating. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say is that it's also hard to tell sometimes between the chronic pain and um, not just the soreness pain, but, like, true acute pain that comes from a problematic, like, movement or issue with the body so I might have someone say to me like oh when I'm squatting I'm feeling this pain in my hip and then my go-to if I know that person is dealing with chronic pain is what kind of pain is it is it a pain that you recognize or a pain that's new to you you know so just kind of checking in to see like is this a familiar pain or is this a new pain to you if it's a familiar pain then then look a little bit further how familiar is it like normally a six and today it's a ten then back off Mm -hmm. is it normally a six and today it's a six okay, maybe we're in the right zone and we can do this movement. We'll just be wary of that pain mm-hmm. that's there. If it gets worse, we'll pull back. If it gets, if it stays the same, you know, we can see how it goes. Um, but also being able to understand, like, just because you're having to deal with chronic pain doesn't mean you should have to also deal with deal with acute pain. Yep. Like, you don't, you don't have to push through that stuff. Mm-hmm. So recognizing and, like, kind of playing around with the differences between those is really, really important. And I would also say if you're pushing so far that you're really, really sore after the gym or you're just, like, destroying yourself, just like anyone else, is that really, in the beginning, sure, any new program is going to, like, be challenging your body as well you're doing it. But in the long run, you know, I think that taps into, like, depleting your adrenal system. Yeah. And there's this, there's a level, there's a line to stress and stressing your body physiologically. Yeah, you have to find the 
the boundary to which you can push and then know when it's time to pull back. And I think that's like the lesson for most people when they when they're dealing with chronic pain is like if you have arthritic um, joints or like you're missing cartilage in your knees even uh, the, you know a whole wide range of different types of pain you have to be okay with stopping and checking in with your body mm-hmm. and that's a really important step like if you're in the middle of a workout it's important to take stock of where how you're doing what you're feeling where you're feeling and what it what's signaling to you and and what emotions that might be bringing with it too because yeah. i think in the conversation about chronic pain it's just there's pain in my body i got to manage it uh, it can be overwhelming sometimes sometimes i just get through it but that pain can be correlated with you know actual depression or depressive feelings or feeling mm-hmm. really anxious or fearful or other more yeah. kind of mood and affect um, considerations as well yeah absolutely so it's i think it's all about finding the balance like you don't want to say okay well i have chronic pain so i'm i'm scared to try anything else because you we we have already talked about the myriad of benefits of exercising and eating well (laughs) and it's really important to challenge your heart to give your body some some challenge um so you can stay healthy in the long run and so you can help hopefully manage some of that chronic pain through getting stronger in other parts of your body and through gaining more like self-awareness and control Mm -hmm. So you don't want to go on the extreme end of not doing anything, but you also don't want to go on the other extreme of coming in and just going as hard as everybody else five days a week on your first time around. Like, take it easy. Come in a couple days a week. Do the workout at what you would consider 50 to 60% effort. Check in with yourself immediately afterwards. Check in with yourself an hour afterwards, the day afterwards, two days afterwards, and and really think about what are you noticing. Mm-hmm. And, and then tie it back to some of the things that you did, like, do your knees hurt more after you run? And is it arthritic hurt? Is it painful, like you can't bend, sounds like squeaking, popping, and it's just utterly excruciating? Like, then don't run. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. If you have a coach that's worth their salt, they will modify that for you right. and make it work for you. But you, so part of it is really, it's a, such a personal journey, and it's about keeping track of what you notice like journaling about what you experienced, checking in with your coach and saying, I think this is right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be painful in this way. Asking those questions and just knowing that you have a team there. Right. Even though it might not always feel like when you have chronic pain, it, it might not always feel like you have a team. It probably feels very alone yeah. in a lot, of, a lot of ways, very lonely. But if you have a coach, like you have a teammate mm-hmm. and they want to help. And if your coach isn't that person for you, then I think that's just a great signal. And again, with chronic pain, it can be really tough because you're your own advocate 99% of the time, right? There isn't yep. an expert who's going to fix things or change things because it's probably been chronic for a while. Um, if that coach isn't joining with you, that's your signal to go ahead and explore a different avenue or a yes. different coach in a different arena. And that can be really challenging because it's one more thing on you. Yep, right? absolutely. But it's you seeking out care and support. And building that network that is more true and holistic in their ability to support you. Yes, absolutely. Which in the long run is going to feel better. So that's what I would say. I mean, there's a lot of, like when I was researching for this episode, there's a ton of information about different types of chronic pain um, and different symptoms that might be associated with that. And I, I just think it's not my place to give an overriding prescription for how you should work out when you have chronic pain because it's going to be so variable Mm -hmm. but I will say that it's important to work out it's important to have your the exercise that you need and it's important to do it on your own terms yep 
Definitely. Which is just like life lesson in general. Yeah. Like, it's important to work out and it's important to do it on your own terms no matter who you are. Right. Chronic pain or not. Right. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah. And as someone who does have chronic pain, and my pain is one of those things that doesn't have a name. I almost, for a long time, I really wished it did. Went to different doctors. I was like, just give me a name for it. Any of the names that they tried to give me didn't fit. Right. It's just pain along the left side of my body and trying to attribute it to a disease or some issue is like hasn't done anything about it. You really do. It's it's that what I was just saying before, like you have to advocate for yourself. But I agree. Movement is really great. Whether yeah. that's walking or just sitting in a different position or doing something out of the norm, moving your body to any degree typically is going to help with you know neurology and circulation and you know fascial stretching like any of that stuff anything yeah move move (laughs) yep so let's go ahead let's listen to um caroline's interview we're gonna listen to that from her well i'll let you i'll let her talk to you about what type of chronic pain she deals with all right thank you all right so i am here with caroline and she has allowed me to chat with her about um, kind of her experiences with chronic pain. So Caroline, you want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, so I'd love to ask Caroline, um, how would you define chronic pain? Uh, I think in a really broad sense, I would define it as um, pain that occurs on a regular basis that uh, causes some sort of functional interference with your life. Mm-hmm. And for you personally, tell us a little bit about kind of your history with chronic pain or or how you've been managing. Um, So I have a history of migraines and chronic headaches myself. So, um, and I can recall having headaches back to even when I was a really little kid. Um, I vividly recall having kind of my first major migraine when I was probably about 11 or 12. Um, and kind of ever since I turn, you know, like late teens into my adulthood, it's just kind of gotten progressively worse over time. Um, definitely there's a stress component to it. Um, but I think there's also a lot of other components to it. So on average, I probably experience, um, what I would personally call just a a headache. So kind of some throbbing, pain or just kind of the feeling of pain or pressure in my head um, on basically a daily basis. Um, And then as far as uh, migraines, which for me, because they're different for everybody, um, as far as a migraine, I probably experience those once a month. Um, Very often they're close to the time of my menstrual cycle. Um, They can also be kind of weather induced. So when the weather gets really bad, I'll have them. Um, and my symptoms for those are the pain obviously intensifies. It tends to be kind of right behind one or both of my eyes. Um, and it also causes some dizziness and nausea. And typically I basically just have to lay down and sleep, um, and take some medication. And does that last more than one day? Is it a a two or more day process? Uh, man, that is, that is so variable because I've had ones that have just been, um, you know, a couple hours, like maybe three to four hours at the most, and I'm able to get it under control and kind of be able to function. Um, and then I've also had ones that have drawn on for three or four days. Yeah. So big, big variability right there. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Because I'm assuming, you know, it's one thing if those happen over a weekend, right? But maybe another thing if right. it's during the work week or someone has a schedule that varies a lot. So how has that impacted, mm-hmm. like, what what you're trying to do during the day? Uh, very often I have had to miss work. Um, I've either had to not go into work in the morning and spend the whole day at home. Um, I've had to leave work early and come home. I've had to cancel plans that I've made for things. Um, yeah, they, they do happen sometimes on the weekend, which then it's kind of like, well, nothing that I got, you know, (laughs) all the plans I had for the weekend are shot now too. Um, so yeah, like that's kind of the, when I talk about the functionality piece of it, like it really has an impact on your life as far as it's not something I can just kind of power through. You know, I think that there's a sense that people have like, oh, it's, it's just a headache. Why don't you just take some ibuprofen or some Advil or Tylenol or, you know, and it'll be fine. But no, it's, it really causes like, I can't do the things that I need to do during the day. I've missed, I'm a triathlete and I've missed races before. I've not been able to go to a race in the morning because I've woken up with a migraine. Mm-hmm. So it it does cause a lot of disruption in my life. And do you feel like is, is the chronic pain and the, the migraines and the headaches, are they something that you share with other people when you're experiencing them? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I actually, I would say I have quite a few friends that also experience um, migraines and chronic headaches. Um, Some are more severe than mine and some are less severe than mine. I think all of us just kind of have our own experiences with them. I don't think there's any kind of like set, you know, there's some similarities in symptoms, but there's not really any set progression of how it happens or what it looks like or how it affects us even. Um and the majority of my uh, friends that do have migraines um, identify as female. And I do have some friends that get them that also identify as male. But the the percentage of people I know that have them that are identify as female far outweigh the people I know that identify as male. Mm-hmm. And would you say that over the years, since you said that, you know, kind of that first migraine or true migraine experience happened when you were around 11 and before that headaches mm-hmm. were coming in and out, since from then to now, would you say that your relationship with that chronic pain has changed or shifted over the years? Uh, only in the sense that I probably understand it better now, better now than I did then. Um, I grew up with a mom who minimized it quite a bit. She was the kind that would just tell me, oh, just take something, you'll be fine, or... She, I mean, she would even say things like, I get headaches. It's not a big deal. Why are you, you know, why are you laying in bed or something like that? Um, so I didn't really get a lot of sympathy for it. And I also didn't get any treatment for it other than to say like, oh, here's some ibuprofen. Just take this. You'll be fine. So it really wasn't until I was probably in my mid to late 20s that I even started mentioning it to doctors when I would see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, oh. And mostly it was due to being on birth control. They would ask me, do you get migraines? And I said, well, I've had migraines. I've had migraines for most of my life. And they're like, oh, do you think they got worse after you were taking this? And I'm like, I don't, I think they, (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) Like they've been there. So (laughs) there was kind of that part to it too. And, um, but even most doctors would just minimize it. Like, oh, okay, you're managing it. 
And I'm like, how, what does managing mean? Like I have headaches every single, like my head hurts every single day. How am I managing it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I'm, and I've gone through various different, you know, doctors, like I, they've done MRIs to make sure it's not, you know, something like a tumor or anything like that. And obviously there's nothing that shows up on the MRI because it's, it's chronic pain. Right. So, um, yeah, I've tried a lot of different, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to ask this question later. I've tried a lot of different things. So <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I've tried to manage this chronic pain. Yeah. And how, how does that feel too? feeling like you're really the one who's had to advocate for yourself over the years? Like, no, this is something that I manage mm-hmm. with on a consistent basis. And it is, yes, it's chronic, but it's impacting my life. I would say it's extremely frustrating um, because I have had doctors that just kind of minimize it to, you know, they'll, or they'll give me a prescription, you know, for something and, oh, try this and, you know, come back in three to six months. Um, And it's kind of like, I'll try something for a while. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I don't feel like I have enough contact with doctors to kind of really like have a conversation about you know, what, what things they've had me try. So I've been on, you know, medications for high blood pressure. I don't even have high blood pressure. I actually have really low blood pressure. And so I take this medication that's for high blood pressure and I'm like, so when I start to feel a little dizzy, when I stand up, is that a problem? (laughs) (laughs) Hey doctor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And also, you know, like it really doesn't do much or, you know, maybe it works for a little while. Maybe it's reduced some of the chronic daily pain, but then it'll stop working. And I don't know why it stops working. Why did it work for a short period of time and why doesn't it continue to work? I think it's been really hard to, to really utilize the, medical field as a way to really solve my chronic pain issues. Sure, sure. And I think that's something that people with chronic pain can encounter a lot where in that medical field, there's, there's something to be said for what they can do for acute issues and symptoms that crop up, right? But when mm-hmm. it falls, it starts to fall into that category of chronic, then it's like, you know, people are kind of falling through the cracks as you've experienced. Yeah. Um, what would you say, what would you want to tell people who maybe do not experience chronic pain themselves about chronic pain? What would you want people to know? I think it's very easy to, because if you don't experience something like this, to really minimize how, um, what the impact it is on other people. You know, maybe you have a coworker or something that misses a lot of work due to chronic pain. Maybe they have a back issue or maybe they have a neck issue or, you know, something. And it's, and maybe you kind of have thoughts of, oh, is that even real? Like, are they, are they just saying that they can't come to work today because they don't want to? Um, I think there's a huge, uh, I think there's a huge problem in our society that we do tend to put personal blame on people for things that they really can't control. You know, I didn't, there's not anything that I can pinpoint that caused my migraines. Um, And they've been there for most of my entire life. And again, with like varying degrees of functional problems, sometimes I'm fine. Sometimes I can show up and, you know, I've just got this kind of 
steady pain that's in my head most of the time, but I can do things. Other days I can't do stuff. And I think that's the hard thing for people to understand is that it's not just something that is there all the time, that it definitely has a scale of how it hurts, how much it hurts, what other symptoms you might be experiencing in addition to just the pain itself, and also what the impact is on your ability to function throughout the day. And would you, would you say maybe there are like, what, what would be the top three things over the years that you feel like maybe even aside from managing pain or looking at that pain scale, but three things that you feel are helpful for you? I think it does help when I, um, uh, when I definitely make a focus on getting body work done, whether it's massage or yoga relaxation, um, because one component of mine is when my neck and shoulder muscles get really tight, it does trigger much more pain and I will likely have a migraine if I have tight neck and shoulder muscles at the time. Um, definitely stress reduction is something that helps. Um, and there's, you know, food and drink. There's definitely some triggers that I have based on things that I eat and things that I, you know, drink sometimes, whether it's alcohol, caffeine, or sugar. Um, those things definitely have an impact. I don't think they're the total cause. I don't think I can cure it with those things, but I can make an impact with it. Right. And I think with migraines too, and we've talked about it before, that migraines, they can be that like perfect storm where these different factors that if they get mm -hmm. layered up in certain ways, that can really trigger versus other times if it's just one or two factors. Yeah, that's definitely, that's very true. Yeah. Um, if I've, you know, if I had a weekend where I was indulging in a lot of yeah. like wheat-based products or beer or alcohol, sugar, and then maybe there's a thunderstorm that moves in and, oh, hey, let's just throw my time of the month for my menstrual cycle in there, too. Yeah, yeah I'm probably going to be out for a couple days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anything else that you want to add in about chronic pain or migraines specifically or even headaches? I think it's just such an underdeveloped area you know, there's, I think they're still very much in the, in the infancy of looking at chronic pain and ways to help treat chronic pain. Um, I, I think it's, it's something that will continue to come more into awareness with people. And I think there will begin to be a greater understanding of it. Um, also, I think the way that we treat it and the things that we do for it will continue to expand. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, so huge too that people will speak about it right that's something especially i think historically it's been something that's been minimized mm -hmm. power through it so the more people that speak about it hopefully the more information we can get as well for sure yeah. well thank you so much caroline for coming on and sharing your experiences and history and thoughts on it sure no problem and it was amazing wonderful interview and definitely a lot of her stuff is with um, headaches and migraines right so yeah. one type of chronic pain um, so we're going to switch over and just hop again into our other interview this time with Shannon um, and listen to her reflections as well can't wait so I'm here with Shannon Shannon you want to say hi 
Hi. Hello, hello. Um, also going to talk again about some chronic pain and what that looks like for you. So, Shannon, I'd love to know, um, how would you define chronic pain, kind of for yourself personally? Um, well, for me, I have dealt with chronic pain off and on since I was in elementary school. And I think what for me that looks mostly like um, pain that's not otherwise associated with an acute illness. So my pain oftentimes feels like having the flu or that those flu-like aches, but I don't have the flu. So I'm not sick with some kind of cold or, or what have you. I mean, that can make pain worse, obviously, but it's just kind of an all the time there. I don't want to use the word friend because it's not very friendly, but um, just kind of something that's always there in the back of my mind or um, sometimes in the front of my mind, depending on how intense it is at the time. And it just never really goes away. And it's to the point where I sometimes wonder what it's like for people who don't have chronic pain to go through their lives without pain as part of their day-to-day existence. Yeah. So, And how would you say, do you feel like that, relationship with pain has changed over the years from when it's first kind of came up to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, it's so my relationship with the pain has changed definitely, I think, over the years, and it's gotten better and gotten worse as other things have gotten better and worse throughout life. Um, and it, I I think that the, you know, the way people talk about like the, the cycle in, of grieving is can be really applied to something like pain of like, you know, sometimes I'm in bouts where I just kind of accept it. And like, this is how my life is. And, you know, find workarounds or find ways to just live in it. Um, other times I'm very angry and very frustrated. And um, other times I'm, you know, trying to do all the investigating I can do, or how can I make this better? How can I make it go away? So I'm doing all that internet research, or maybe if I try this crazy supplement or this random diet or like all of this stuff to make it better. And then I usually kind of cycle back through all of those things over time, over and over and over again. So it definitely moves around. Um, it is easier to be in that acceptance place. It's also sometimes harder to be the, the realization of just having to accept it as part of life makes things less, um, immediate feeling and urgent and anxiety producing, but it also makes things sometimes a little sad, Mm -hmm. um, to just kind of have that knowledge of like, this is just how things are. Mm -hmm. And would you say in, um, during another interview, we were kind of talking about how Western medicine or doctors were not really accepting or acknowledging of some chronic pain for other people. Would you say, is that an experience that you've noticed before? Yes. I definitely think that the kind of Western medicine, as you put it, the standard kind of doctoring process does not well accommodate chronic pain. Um, and I, that can come up in a lot of ways, whether that's pain management or just kind of being taken seriously by the doctor. Um, I, for, for example, in my story, like my chronic pain has been pretty significantly worse the last six to eight weeks. And, um, I oftentimes have people ask me, especially those who don't deal with chronic pain, why I haven't been to the doctor, why I'm not doing further investigating as to what caused it this time. And one of it, the things is, well, I've had chronic pain since I was eight. I kind of know the rough general cause of what it is. Um, And the other piece of it is, it's just really exhausting to go through all of that doctoring Um, and trying to find the right doctor who's going to take you seriously, who's going to really get to know your case as an individual and not just another person who's in pain for unknown 
or kind of ambiguous reasons. Um, and that is a significant burden on the, the pain sufferer in, in, in getting help is that it's like, it's an extra barrier to, to go to a doctor and then have them completely invalidate, invalidate your, your experience. Um, and with that, how do you feel kind of what, what changes would you say with your daily life and having to kind of navigate work and, you know, time off of work and just life mm -hmm. in general with chronic pain and how it ebbs and flows? Um, I think the way I navigate life is different than other folks who don't have a lot of chronic pain. Um, for example, I don't take a lot of vacations. Um, I've kind of realized over the last six months to a year or so that part of the reason behind that is, is I've over the years cultivated a life that allows me to minimize my pain and discomfort to the greatest extent I possibly can. And that's through a lot of lifestyle factors. Like I sleep the best in my own bed. I sleep the best with the right amount of sleep and, um, you know, all of these other kinds of pieces that when traveling can be really hard to maintain. So I do notice that it affects me in that kind of way. Like people are like, Oh, I want to go on this really cool trip. And I'm like, that would be awesome. That'd be so cool. I would love to go to backpack through Europe for a month or whatever. And then I start to think about what that looks like in my body and what that would feel like. And that does hold me back from trying stuff like that. Um, and in a more immediate sense, it also like, I do things like I, it's hard for me to sit in the car for long periods of time. And so I plan errands to be all at one time so that I can do it all at once and not have to be driving crisscross all over town three days in a row. Or um, I do things like I don't go home until my last task of the day is done. Um, because once I get home into my house and start to relax, that's when all of the, I'm pretty good at kind of blocking out a lot of pain. And so once I get more relaxed and more comfortable at home, all of that can kind of come rushing forward and all of a sudden I'll feel it really more intensely than I was. And so once I get home for the day and want to settle in, I won't want to leave again. So a lot of people see that as, oh, you're so busy or, oh, you're, you're just going, going, going all the time, which is true. But a big piece of that is if I go home after work and sit down on the couch, I'm not getting back up again. Mm -hmm. I will be in too much pain. And so I will stay busy and fill up my day until I'm done at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night and then go home and relax because it's too hard to get back going again once I've, once I've done that. And do you feel like, is it, do you feel like you have a, like a network or people who understand or other people who have chronic pain or is it something where it is just powering through it and, you know, not discussing it or anything like that? There definitely is a lot of powering through. Um, I do have some folks in my life who also suffer from chronic pain and, and do a pretty good job of, of being there with that. The one thing um, I do notice with people who don't experience chronic illness or chronic pain is that there seems to be kind of um, a discomfort in just sitting in that and um, which can, you know, people try to like cheer you up or come up with ways to make you feel better or have you tried XYZ, um, you know, modality or treatment or whatever to improve it. And while the intention is good and they mean well, it can actually be really invalidating of the experience to just be like, you know, no, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain right now. And I have, I do feel like I've exhausted my options in terms of dealing with it, or I am, you know, an autonomous adult and can navigate that if I choose to. And so to have someone be like, have you tried this? Have you done that? Oh, it'll get better. Just like be perky or be positive. While it is well-intentioned is actually pretty invalidating. So sometimes it really is helpful to have people just be like, 
you know, that sounds really hard. And that can be much more affirming of where I'm at mm-hmm. than having someone try to like cheer me up or make me feel better. Right. Cause it's not going to take the pain away and I'm not really going to feel better. It just makes me feel like I can't be genuine with where I'm at in my body, um, both physically and emotionally about where I'm at in my body. Right. Is there anything that you would want to share with people, um, who don't experience chronic pain? Um, what I just talked about, I think would be a key one, just kind of, um, working on the ability to just kind of sit with people when they're not you know, at their best and, and let that be okay. Like, let it be okay that you're not trying to find a solution for them and just say, you know, that sounds really hard or, or what can I do for you? Or how can I support you in that? I think would be, um, a big piece of it. And I think another thing that I would be great for people who don't have chronic pain to know is that, um, the question around why or why haven't you done something about it or what are you doing to try to fix it isn't always super helpful either. Um, Cause there's a lot of pressure, I think in just our society to be doing something about your problems. And the idea of just kind of like, like I said, I've had worse chronic pain for the last six or eight weeks. I haven't been to the doctor. I don't intend to go to the doctor. I manage it in the ways that I've learned over the years have helped and I just kind of wait for it to improve Mm -hmm. and um and that's okay with me and I need that to be okay with people around me because I I don't have the energy to both manage my own pain and manage other people's opinions about my pain right right so kind of having those other people understand that you are you are taking the forefront and doing doing the work and that they're what they can do it is yeah. to help help support and be there yeah and kind of trust yeah just what be supportive of be supportive of where I'm at in the moment regardless of whether or not you think I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing about how to deal with it yeah um obviously I'm not including you know you know obvious unhealthy behaviors in that you know if you're self-medicating or, you know, in, in ways that are dangerous to your welfare. I'm not, I'm not trying to discount <laughs> situations like that because that does happen. And that can be a hard line to walk when you're trying to support a friend through that. Um, but if I really am, you know, I'm really just tired and frustrated and I, you know, go to the, go to the gym or something and I'm just not my, you know, super energetic self. Don't try to cheer me up. Just, you know, yeah, that sounds hard. I'm glad you're here. Glad to see you. Like that's enough. And that feels more validating than having someone try to change where I'm at. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. And so you mentioned before kind of earlier that there is, you know, how you set up your week, how you set up that schedule is, seems like it's part kind of working with that chronic pain. Um, Any other ways that you found over the years that you find supports you? in kind of working with that chronic pain, not the, you know, I liked your metaphor of, you know, kind of a friend or like that it's there, it's its thing and yeah. it's there. Um, one thing I think that is another thing that I really, really struggle with a lot. And I've talked with other folks about this. Um, so I might be repeating myself to some people, but um, I find the, the kind of, intellectual or informational side of what people tell you about ways to manage pain or manage chronic illness and the emotional side of like what feels accessible in that moment aren't always the same thing. And I have a lot of difficulty with balancing that for myself. So for instance, like, oh, well, I know I would feel a lot better if I stopped eating 
certain foods. It's also really hard for me to do that. And sometimes the thing that makes me feel better emotionally is something that's going to make me feel worse physically. And that is a constant struggle. Um, And so sometimes I make better choices, quote unquote, better choices um, pain wise than others. And um, I work on a lot of kind of self forgiveness around that. And it's really helpful for me to continue to work on that and for ha- to have other folks kind of just allow me to, to be in that. Oh, well, I thought you said you weren't going to eat this anymore because of, you know, your chronic pain. It's like, well, you know, today I didn't make that choice. Today I made a different choice and I, you know, maybe I'll do a different choice tomorrow. Right. Always kind of working, working with what's occurring in the moment too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think this has just been incredible. Thank you so much for sharing kind of your history and how you're navigating life with chronic pain. Um, anything else that you want to add or share with anyone? Um, no, I say I would say thank you for, for asking me. I think um, I have found that this question doesn't get asked very often. So it is really nice to be asked, you know, what it's like to have chronic pain and, and what it's like to support people with chronic pain. Because I do think it's something that people don't always naturally come to the, you know, to understanding around it without asking the question. And so I I appreciate the question getting asked and having the opportunity to kind of share with others what that feels like. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, Lucia. That was great. Super informative. I feel like it's hard to know. It's hard to know what it's like when you don't have any pain or when your pain is acute and temporary. Um, because most people want to just be problem solvers and be like, get it away, it'll be gone, just do this thing, this simple trick. And that's really, I love that Shannon spoke to that um, pretty explicitly, being like, you know, what what is something that people who don't experience chronic pain can do, that they can join with you and trust that as a person who's experiencing chronic pain, that you are more of the expert. Yeah. Regardless, you're going to be the expert of your body no matter what. Yeah, you're not so, making it up. <laughs> it, yeah, so instead of trying to problem solve for them, which is a natural inclination and can come from such a good place, instead of that, just kind of sitting there with them or moving, you know, whatever, <laughs> being there with them through that yeah. and recognizing that it's really validating for someone just to be heard and acknowledged with whatever they're feeling. And that I think applies to chronic pain. And when she was saying that, it reminded me of, you know, someone who's grieving, right? It's like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, it'll like, it'll get better. Mm-hmm. What, what does that type of a comment do? It devalidates their in the moment experience. Absolutely. Takes them out of their body as well and tells them that what they're experiencing right now should end and that there should be a time frame where it, right. it stops. Right. So just for everyone else's convenience. Cause they're like, Oh, awkward. Right. And I feel like in Minnesota, we're really bad at that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I, I work with Shannon all the time. I've worked with Caroline as well. And like, they're both really good about just saying what they need and saying like, I'm having kind of a tough day and I want to try to do this and just see how it goes. And super empowering as a coach to feel that way when someone's like, yeah, I, I want this today, or I, you know, I need to back off a little bit today. It feels like they're being honest, so you can be honest mm-hmm. about what you can provide and what, and what you can't. Right. And that chronic pain, typically, even though it can be so varied, typically, I think for a lot of people, it ebbs and flows in yeah. how it is appearing from a day-to-day basis to a month-to-month to year-to-year. Yep. So it's always changing and evolving. And just like, Shannon and I were trying to, she, you know, mentioned it's like, it's your friend, but it's not really like a friendly friend. It's like this thing that's there that you 
as a person who's managing it, you have a relationship with it, and that relationship can change and shift. And that, you know, being someone who is near someone with chronic pain, recognizing that, I think, can be really validating, too, that their pain one day is going to be different than pain the other day. Right. So just, like, checking in and being with them in that moment is going to be different. You can never assume what they're really going through. Yeah. So when you work with people who have chronic pain in nutrition stuff, like, what kind of things do you talk about? Sure. So with chronic pain in general, it can be really tough to make a game plan around how to support it. Um, I like to be really loosey-goosey because any of the nutrition stuff I've done is is not because of my chronic pain. I've always been curious, like, ooh, if I do lower inflammation or I cut out sugar or, you know, whatever, more paleo, more primal, will that affect my chronic pain? I think to a certain degree, sure, because my body is feeling overall more functional and is able to be more of itself instead of managing, you know, inflammation or fighting off stuff that I can't fight off. But at the end of the day, I think recognizing that food and nutrition supports are adjuncts to chronic pain and that trying to think of them as solutions um, can be honestly like devastating because Mm -hmm. then you're trying to problem solve a problem for yourself and you're getting frustrated when it doesn't go away right but that's the that's what chronic pain is yeah and that doesn't mean that it can't go away or that it won't shift or that it won't become more manageable but it's its own creature and it's going to do its own thing in different ways and there are lots of different theories as to why there can be different types of chronic pain um there's a author, John Sarno, who has a whole, he talks all about chronic back pain and how it's this newer, and by newer, it's like I think he was writing his book in the 80s and 90s, but this <laughs> newer occurrence and people used to always have stomach ulcers and now it's shifted to chronic back pain and knee pain and that it's really emotions and feelings that are getting stored in the body and mm. that there can be release and just how we're interacting or breathing into those muscles. So lots of different theories that we're not even touching on to any degree here. Um, so... Aside from those, kind of my idea for what to do, and I think people who have chronic pain, because both of our interviewees um, spoke to this, they're really, probably really good at managing their schedules and being aware of this stuff. But just for anyone, it's a gentle reminder, thinking about food. So foods that are low inflammatory or foods that are nourishing, whether that's social or actually physically nourishing, um... And whether that's in the short term or the long term, it can be very much, we're, de- we're diving into the gray area, which is tough because people want yes or no, do this, don't do that answers. And you can't do that here or really anywhere, I would say. But, <laughs> right. um, so looking at foods that are nourishing for the body and for the mind, and that's going to occur in different ways. Looking at what your emotional life is like. So are there toxic relationships? Is your workplace tough for you to be in? Is a schedule that you have to adhere to throughout the week really, really challenging? Are there you know, family members, whatever, friends that are affecting you and your body? Because guess what? You have a body and your, brain, your brain is in your body. So are there, are there things that you can be looking at outside of your body that are influencing how you feel? Because I think there is a stress component to chronic pain. So if there's any way to be lowering that emotional stress, that's great. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, that's challenging work because, again, it's on you to be making those changes. But the challenging stuff can be the empowering stuff as well. Um, and tying into that would be spiritual work, too. So looking at what your spirituality or your soul or whatever names you want to put on that or frameworks, 
what what is that relationship with yourself and your body and that can be really tough when you have chronic pain because you can feel you know kind of turned off by your own body yeah because it's doing this thing that you didn't ask for it to do and it's changing and it's hard to pinpoint what it's doing um but whether that's like a mindfulness practice or getting reiki or energy work um finding things that make you laugh or doing breath work i think all of that fits into that realm of spirituality physical which is what you're talking about so finding that movement movement that isn't making things acute but isn't um isn't make isn't making it worse <laughs> isn't making it worse right yeah. and then yeah i would say those those would be the biggies and maybe my challenge for people would be of those different general arenas where are there where are their sticking points which one comes to you and are you like kind of um, chewing on right now after listening to those food physical emotional spiritual is there a toxic relationship that you're looking to kind of move out of your body mm-hmm. right what what are the choices that you're able to make because i think all of that even it's not going to solve chronic pain guess what but anything that you can do to have a leg up i think it's going to be useful absolutely yeah. So those would be my thoughts, and that's my challenge for all y'all listeners. Well, <laughs> accept it, everyone. <laughs> you must do it. Um, thanks for thanks for tuning in for Chronic Pain Up. And, and thank you so much to Caroline and Shannon mm-hmm. for giving us that info. And if there's more of you out there who want to share your story about dealing with chronic pain, we would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to interview you if you want to come and chat with us or talk to us over Skype. We would love that so very much. Especially if there's a specific... Um, you know, if you do have a chronic pain that does have a name or we want to be diving into something that is more specific, um, we can have a lot of, I think, put a lot of time and energy around that, too. Yep, absolutely. Like dive deep. So give us a shout. Yeah. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram at You Have a Body Podcast. Yep. You can find us on Twitter yep. at You Have a Body Podcast. At You Have a Body. At You Have a Body. And you can find us on Facebook at You Have a Body Podcast. Yes. Um, and you can contact us through any of those things. It's just us. So we'll be there. And remember, if you leave a review on iTunes, we will give you a shout out. And you can hear your name on the podcast. Do we only want a shout out this week? We don't have a shout out this week. That's right. We need more this, inter- We need more reviews for shout outs. This is my, rem- my gentle reminder to everyone. Go ahead and leave a review. We love that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be positive. Just leave us an honest <laughs> review. I will still give you a shout out because we love you and you have a body. Yeah. Even if you hate us back. That's okay. You can feel that hate. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, congrats for getting to the end of this episode while hating us the whole time. Ew. <laughs> uh, man, am I right? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we hope you have a wonderful week, everybody. And we'll be back next week. Uh, right now you're listening on Labor Day. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But we will be back next week, um, and we'll be talking about some other stuff. So you should come back for more of that. Did we hook you? Did we hook you? <laughs> Thanks to Taj Ruler, who is like the surprise person who did your dishes. Oh, Taj, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Taj. You know the dishes are stinky in August, too. Yeah, ugh. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. We'll, t- we'll catch you next time on You Have a Body Podcast. See ya. The You Have a Body Podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash youhaveabodypodcast. Tweet at us at youhaveabody, or find us on Instagram at youhaveabodypodcast. Let us know what's going on with you, because guess what? You have a body.